Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. So lovely to be with you this morning. As you all know, I recently turned 60 and it's been a, a, an ongoing celebration. I guess you can do that when you're 60. You can just keep having birthday parties. But I had arranged for my siblings to come up to... Thank you, team. It was beautiful. I had arranged for my siblings to come up and we haven't really been together since one of my sisters died in 2013. And so... Um, I invited them to come up and just have a dinner with just me and my siblings because I really felt the Lord wanted me to share my story with them. And, you know, it's been 39 years, and, of course, when I was first a Christian, 39 years ago I was pretty um, young in the Lord, and I wounded them. And so it's been a long time, me trying to fix that. And... You know, I just, I just don't get it why they don't see who I am or what I do or, you know, I just, I just don't get it. So I'd arranged this birthday dinner because I'm 60, you have to come to my house when I'm 60 at least. And I'm going to shout you dinner, I'm going to cook you dinner on my birthday and um, in the hope that I can finally, because I'd never shared my testimony with my siblings. They don't know my story. They don't even know what I went through as a child. They don't understand, they didn't know those things. And so I'm thinking, how can I do this? So when it came time for them to come up, my brother-in-law, who is, you know, pretty, pretty sick with cancer, got really sick and they couldn't come. So we had to cancel the whole thing. So to cut a long story short, on Friday, they came. They came to my house Again, my brother-in-law was sick and couldn't come, but the others came, my other siblings. So I'm trying to work out how can I, God, I know you want me to share my story. I don't know how to do this. And where can I get this in? And, you know, it was pretty awkward. But there was one moment when we were having dinner and one of my brother-in-laws is a joker and he's going to make a joke out of everything that I say. And I love him to pieces. He was a comedian, professional comedian. Uh, in his in his other life, and um, and so I, I just flashed out in the middle of dinner and and sort of shared my story that they'd never heard. I didn't go into great details. I didn't I didn't feel to do that. I just quickly bang 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 bang, and I did it. Now there wasn't this like tear jerking response or like oh we all need to get saved right now, but I felt really good that I did it. But ever since then, I can't stop crying. I can't stop crying because because of the response. I can't stop crying because, like, how can you reject someone that's done all that for me? How, How can you say no? Like, I've just shared my heart with you and I've shared how beautiful he is and and how he's changed me and how he's healed me and how he's, for 39 years, has been my best friend and I'm sharing my best friend with you. How can you reject him? And my heart just broke, Mick, for, for Jesus. How many times does he get rejected? You know, we get so worried about sharing with people because we're worried about being rejected. 
But what about for a minute thinking about how many times he's been rejected? You know, you just open the Bible, you know, he was mocked, he was persecuted. I mean, the people that he healed hung him on a cross. I mean, I mean, and he's still being rejected today. So I think we have to get a lot braver and a lot bolder and a lot more passionate about sharing the Jesus that we know and that we love because they have such a wrong concept about him and it's time for us to start sticking up for him. You know what I mean? Don't you reckon? It's time for us to start speaking. We've been silent long enough. We've been hoping long enough that they would just kind of get it. But you know what? You know he's done great things for you. You know who he is to you. And it's time for us to share our stories. So I want to talk to you this morning about the power of a story. The power of a story. Do you know that your life is a, is a story? Your whole life. From the minute you were conceived to the minute you go to be with Jesus, your whole life is actually a story. It's a, so treasured by God, the story of your life, that he has written it down. He actually has your story. He has written a book about you. And you know what? He reads it every day. He reads it and he turns the page of the, of the, the story of your life. You think, well, God couldn't have written down all the bad things that happened to me. Oh, yeah, he knew. He knew they were going to happen. He's not shocked by that. He still reads it. Because he's reading a redemption story. He's, he's reading a story like the Bible that is all about redemption and salvation and about love and goodness. And he knows the end of every story. And it's his will that none of us should perish. So he's written your story down and he reads it every day. And I can imagine that he is in heaven looking at people that you come into contact with. And thinking, why don't you just tell them your story? Because I'm in it. I'm in your story. And if you don't know Jesus yet, like I'm talking about Jesus, then you'll have an opportunity later that he can be in your story. But he's in your story right now. Amen. So your story is a gift to the world. But if you keep this book closed and never open it, it's not going to do you any good. If you keep your book closed and never open it, it will never do any good to anybody else. You know, it's taken me a long time to share some of the, the aspects of my story and I still don't go into detail. What for? You don't need to. But it's taken me a long time to share some of the painful parts of my story. But that's Okay. The Lord understands that I can share what I can share right now and then he'll give me strength to share more later because we're in a process, aren't we? And we can only share what process we're in. Do you know when Jesus spoke, he mostly spoke in stories. He very rarely came straight out at people and said it as it is in black and white except to the religious leaders of the day who actually deserved a bit of straight talk. But actually he spoke in what they call parables, stories. 
Luke, look at this, Luke contains both the largest total number of parables. In Luke alone, there are 24 parables or 24 stories. 18 of these are unique stories. Matthew contains 23 parables, of which 11 are unique. means they're only unique to Matthew. They weren't repeated in the other Gospels. Mark contains eight parables, of which two are unique. You know, in Matthew 13, just Matthew chapter 13 alone, just that one chapter, there are seven parables or stories. They go like this, the parable of the sower, the story of the sower and the reaper, the parable of the tares, the wheat and the tares being sown together, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl, the parable of the drawing in of the net. These, these are stories that he tells. You know about the story of the pearl of great price, the woman searched for it. I mean, they're just stories. And what, they, what he's doing is he understands what's going on inside a person's mind or heart at that time or a group of people. And he'll tell a story to draw out what he sees inside of them. Instead of going directly to them, going, I know what's inside your heart, and I'm going to tell you what's inside your heart, he tells a story about someone else. But when he's telling the story about someone else, the person who he's telling the story to realizes, well, actually, that's my heart. And they come under their own conviction, and they come under the the weight of the story themselves because he's not directing it at them. He's going around it. And he's bringing something so gentle and so beautiful. In Luke 19, we read about Zacchaeus. And this is in the Passion Translation. Zacchaeus, I'll explain who he is in a moment. But Zacchaeus and Jesus, um, is it Matthew 19? I just got 19. (laughs) Oh, it's Luke. Yes, I've got Luke. It's Luke 19. And it says, in the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus. So number one, we know he's wealthy, right? He was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. And Jesus made his way, as Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. So there are people that are eager to see Jesus in your world. You don't need to kick down doors of people that just, I don't really give a stuff. Stay away from me. You know, I don't, I don't want to know about this stuff. Like their hearts are hard. You can feel that. But there are people who are eager to see Jesus within the, your city, within your realm. Um, he kept, uh, I'll just go back there. He was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man. So he's rich and he's short. That's good. That's a good description so far. And he couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead and every, uh, sorry, ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into that tree. Now there's crowds of people around Jesus. You, You know, when Jesus is around, especially when he's around inside of you, he will know which heart is hungry. He will know which one is ripe. 
He will know which one is actually seeking for him. Out of all that crowd, he looks up into a tree and finds Zacchaeus. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, he knows his name. That's another thing. Jesus knows them by name. And they're going to know it. They're going to know that he knows them by name because he knows you by name. And I'll share that in a minute. Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I am appointed to stay at your house today. I have been appointed to stay at your house today. Jesus did nothing that he, that he first didn't hear the Father. And there's appointments that you have. There's appointments that you have in your life. I had an appointment with my siblings the other night. It's not the outcome that I have to, that I have to think about. It's the obedience to the appointment. And Jesus will work the rest. You don't know what's going on inside a person's heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. We don't even know our own hearts. You could sow something into a person's life and nothing happens and they walk away and God gets them. You just got to be obedient to the appointment. Amen. Because today I want to I activate you. My heart today is to activate you. Last week, Andrew activated us in prayer. That was amazing. I've been praying differently myself this week and I've seen some answered prayers that I haven't seen before because I prayed the way that Andrew activated us to pray. This week, I want to activate you to tell your story. All right? So we're going to get there. So he says, Zacchaeus, hurry on down. I'm appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. I pray that when people come near me, that they will come face to face with Jesus. I pray that when they look in my eyes, like Reinhard Bonnke says, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And every now and again, Jesus looks out the windows. I pray Jesus is looking out my windows and that someone comes face to face with him through me and through my life because I've been face to face with him. You can't take anyone anywhere you haven't been yourself. And when you've been face to face with Jesus, when you've been in his presence, when you've been sitting with him and you're crying like I was this morning because his love is just so unfathomable. His love is so beautiful. Oh, Jesus. And when you've been in that place and you open your eyes and you speak to someone, you're hoping that they look at you and find Jesus in your eyes. I know that's how I fell in love with my husband. There was nothing to attract me on the outside. Although he was a good-looking man, it wasn't my type. He wasn't my type. He wasn't. He was a surfie. Nothing against all the surfies in the house. We got many. He had long ringlets. He had a goatee beard. He had no shoes. He was brown as a berry. He had great muscles, I must say. He had a great chest. He still does, but he was not my type. I'd been used to going out with rich, classy, millionaires. And along he comes, he's poor. He's got no shoes. He's got no job. He's just basically basically a surfy bum. But my mother said to me, Have you ever looked in his eyes? And I went, oh, okay, I'll have a look. So he was at my mother's house staying with my brother. And he's eating breakfast and I kept trying to get a look in his eyes. 
Well, guess what? Jesus looked out and waved at me. And I went, I'm going to marry him. That's just, that's just how it happened. Because I fell in love with Jesus in his eyes. And all we did was talk about God. Anyway, that's another story. That's another story for another day. How did I get there? Oh, Jesus, face to face with Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> as Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained. Look at this. Of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat at the house of a crook. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you showed us how to do it. Thank you, Jesus, that you showed us that sometimes the, the most ripest people are the, are the hardest people and the ones that need the love the most. And Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, Half of all that I own I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. And Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you and your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek and to give life to those who are lost. You have to know in the Wikipedia, no, I know, you're all looking at me, don't look at the Wikipedia. Anyway, it, I did. And it says, tax collectors, also known as publicans, are mentioned many times in the Bible, mainly in the New Testament. Listen to this. They were reviled. That's a strong word, isn't it? They were actually reviled by the Jews of Jesus' day because their perceived greed and collaboration with the Roman occupiers, tax collectors assessed personal wealth by demanding tax payments in excess of what Rome levied and they kept the difference. So Jesus is going to the house of a man who is absolutely reviled by the people. He is strongly disliked. He's known to be a swindler. And he's probably one of those people that you and I would put into a too hard box. And you go, a guy like that would never want Jesus. Anyway, he deserves to be punished. Anyway, we need to tell him that he's a swindler and he's, a no, and he's got to stop ripping people off. No, Jesus didn't do any of that. He says, I'm coming to your house. What would a tax collector's house been like? He didn't just go to his house alone. He invited all his friends. And Jesus sat around and ate at a table with all his friends. What kind of friends would a tax collector have? I'll leave that up to your imagination. What kind of food would he have eaten? Was it food that Jews were allowed to eat? Would they have been drinking alcohol? Probably. What kind of things would have been in the home? Would he have walked in the house and saw an idol? Would he have seen some dirty pictures on the wall? Would there have been things in the room? Maybe the television was on and there was something gross on TV. Did he walk through the door and say, well, for me to come in here, firstly, put the alcohol away. I'm not eating that food. Put the idol away. Turn the TV off. And maybe when it's pleasing to a holy man to walk into your house, I'll come in. Because that's what we do. 
That is what we do. We walk in and we judge immediately. We, we walk in and we expect that they know all these things immediately. But Jesus didn't do that. And I love that. Jesus finds common ground with him. He could have said, I'll meet you at the cafe down the road because I'm not coming into a sinner's house. I'll do that. Someone else do that. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to find in that house. Is it clean? Is it dirty? Is there dogs? Is there... I mean, some people... Yeah, dogs, cats, everything in the house, and it's uncomfortable. Are they hoarders? Is it... What am I going to find? Jesus didn't even think about that. He didn't even think about it. I'm coming to your house. Why? Because he was comfortable in his own surroundings. And Jesus wanted him to be so comfortable. He wanted him to know that he accepted him exactly as he was. You loved me as you found me. You loved me as you found me. He accepts Jesus, Zacchaeus' friends. He didn't walk in and say, well, I'll talk with you, but you need to lose the mob because, you know, like they're way below my class. What are people going to say if they see me, Jesus, hanging out with this lot? Well, they were already saying it anyway. And I love it that at this point, as far as the Bible says, Jesus has not yet said a word. He's basically gone, I'm going to your house. He walks into the house. He's having a meal. There's people sitting around. And and Zacchaeus all of a sudden just blurts out, half of what I own, I will give to the poor. This is a man who rips people off. This is a man who, who takes more than what he should in taxes. This is a man who's all about money. He's rich. Money is everything to him. He says, half of what I own, I give to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus hasn't said a word. And Jesus replied and said to him, this shows that today life has come to you in your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. Wow. The son of man has come to seek out and give life to those who are lost. He said, See, sometimes it's not what we say that people will remember is a quote that I read recently. It's not what we say that people will remember, but it's how we make them feel. How did Jesus make him feel? I've found that it's important for me over the years. I'm learning and I'm getting better at it. I think it's really important to listen to someone's story and ask questions It's not all about you and what you have to say. They don't need your opinion. They need your acceptance. And when you listen to someone's story and you don't turn off and you're interested in their story, they're opening their heart to you. They're actually opening their heart to you and they're seeing if they can trust you. They're looking for reactions in your eyes. They may even say things. That are, that are awful and disgusting for your ears to hear, but you, they're watching the reaction. And you've got to have the poker face. Oh, okay. That's okay. You know, you just be there. You listen to their story. It's so important that they feel seen and they feel heard. Because you have to have permission to speak into someone's life. 
You have no right to go and just bang their door of their heart down and start breaking and entering into the most private and personal place of a person's world that may have never opened up their heart to anyone ever. You have to give permission. And the permission that you get is that love and acceptance that they feel, that they feel safe, safe enough to open up their world and their heart a little bit. And that's where you plant your story. Amen. So we don't lead with, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? Are you a sinner? Have you got any idols in your house? Are you sleeping with your girlfriend? No, we don't open with that. Do you do drugs? Drink? You need to be delivered. I've got a, we've got a great team at church. We can just take you there, get all them devils out of you. No, you don't lead with that. You ask some questions. Tell me about your life. Tell me about your life. You know, recently I had a girl ask, you know, will, she marry, will I marry them? And beautiful young lady. And she had a different language to mine. You know, different, not Italian or, you know what I mean? She just had a very colourful language. And, and she was, I met her here in the church. And, you know, every second word was something colourful. I didn't react. This girl, she wanted me to accept her as she was, and I did. And, and I'm, I'm just so excited that I'm getting to, to marry her. I'm so excited. But I'm not telling you, I'm not marrying you unless you stop swearing. And I'm just so excited to be part of your world. And I asked her, you know, did you want God involved? And she said, you know, a few more colourful words and I hate his guts. I hate God's guts. I said, well, well, darling, something terrible must have happened to you for you to hate God. What happened? You know, instead of me reacting, oh, no, no, you can't hate God. Like, yeah. It's like, what happened? Questions. She opened up and told me some of the deepest secrets of her heart, cried her eyes out. I explained to her that God was there, that that wasn't a God thing, that it was someone else doing those nasty things. And, you know, she's not saved yet, but praise Jesus. She knows that God is not the man she thought he was now. You know what I'm saying? Make the person feel significant. They're not going to let you in if they don't feel significant to you. You know the greatest need of human beings right now is to feel significant. Say something nice about them. Oh, I just think, sometimes I just look deep into the person. I've told you that. I Like go for the diamond that's hidden underneath the dirt. You know, go find it. And sometimes I'll just say, like, you're a really caring person, aren't you? I mean, that's probably why you've been maybe hurt a lot in your life because you probably care too much. And, you know, I hope you're looking after yourself and you're not giving everything to everybody else. And they go, yeah, well, I do do that. I mean, I do care and 
I said, oh, what a beautiful human being you are that you care so much. I mean, you know what I mean? And I find something in there or something good, not just like, oh, I like your hair, you know, like something about the person that makes them feel like somebody sees me. Everybody, there's goodness in all humanity. You you just got to find it. And that's what Jesus did. He went looking for that and he pulled that out, yeah? Now, I got to share my story last Sunday night at C3 City and they're like just right in the, really just so close to the cross. They're in Darlinghurst and there's King's Cross and, and so... You know, there was there was there was a mixture of people in the in the crowd, but as I looked around, my heart could see some really broken people, and, and so I went a different way with the way I was sharing my story. You can you can change, you know. You don't have to tell the whole story. There's moments where you, if I'm if I'm speaking to a a single mum or a mum that's you know trying to have a baby, I'll tell a part of my story where I couldn't have babies and Jesus helped me all. I know a person that couldn't have babies and, and Jesus healed her. So you go to the party story that is relevant to that person. Yeah? So sometimes I'll tell my story and, and it's like, you know, I might be speaking to a room full of musicians and then I'll talk about, you know, when I was an entertainer, what it was like to live behind a mask, what it was like for no one to actually know who you were, you know, how I'd sing and people would be crying over their beers but I felt like I had a deeper message to give. And I go there. I don't share all the stuff. I just pick out the thing that I think, what speaks to this human being? What, what's going to open up this human being for me? I'm not an evangelist, by the way. I'm a prophet. So it's not natural for me to evangelize. But how can I not? How can any of us not share Jesus when he has done so much for us? How can we not? How can we look at them and just say, oh, well, I'm good. Hope's all right with you at the end. <laughs> you know, no. So at the end of the night, and I was share, share my story, I went into some deeper parts of my story because I realised there were probably some women of the night in the room. And so I went into some deeper parts of my story of, of abuse and hurt as a child and things I went through. And so at the end, so many came up, so many just came up. Like people got saved, four, four saved and prayed for so many on the altar. But people were coming up to me at the end just going, and this is the main thing that they said, and a lot of them were city people as well who, who never are transparent, right? Have to keep up front. But a lot of them were saying this to me, thank you so much for being brave enough to be transparent and to be honest and to be real because you have given me permission to do that myself. You just gave me permission to share my story. And as I was, go- as I was going up to the back at the end to just, just talk to a few people, there was a little lady at the back. She'd obviously looked like she'd been through a pretty tough life. And I went up and I went to give her a hug and she went stiff. Read that, read them, read them. Don't force yourself on anyone. You know, give them their dignity and their space. If she don't want to be hugged, I'm not going to hug her. And so I didn't hug her. And then I said, how did you go with tonight? And she put her head down. She said, I don't know if I can talk about it. And I said, well, if there's anything I can pray for you for or 
you know, if there's anything that's been stirred up or anything like that. And she, then she just kept her body away from me a bit, leant her head in and whispered into my ear. And she said, your story's exactly the same as mine, but I've never told anybody. And I said, oh, darling. And I just held her on the shoulder and she just started to weep. I said, probably time for you to tell somebody, darling. It's time to get healed. And I said, do you know Jesus? She said, not yet. But I'm going to come back here every week until I know him like you know him. And then just a tear just started to roll down her eye. And I, and I took the tear off her cheek on my finger. And I said, see this tear, Anne? I'm taking it home. I'm going to pray for you every day until you know Jesus like I know Jesus. And she just uh, ran out the door. I took that tear home. It may have had AIDS on it. But I took that tear home. I didn't wash my hand. And I've prayed for her every day since. Because why? Because Jesus, when we, talk, when we tell our story, Luke 19, 11, just let me go there. So after Jesus has talked to Zacchaeus, he hasn't said anything to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has just gone and he goes, salvation has come to this house. Then it says in Luke 19, 11, while they were listening to this, so all the people, all his friends were listening to Zacchaeus make this huge statement. They'd listen to Jesus saying, I've come to save the lost. And then it says, while they were listening to this, Jesus told them a parable. Jesus told them a story. You know, I just feel right now that there is such a grace And I just feel like the heart of the Father is just breaking. There's such a grace right now. I think Andrew said it this morning, like it seems so easy to talk to people right now. So we need to be equipped to do that, right? We need to be equipped to do that. It's not up to the people with the microphones. We are an equipping church. We are equipping you. Can you imagine? Jesus said, greater work shall you do than I have done. Therefore, I go to be with the Father. What did he mean? How much greater can you do a work than raising the dead? He didn't mean greater as in, you know, more more incredible. He meant greater as in, imagine if one man can do this. What would happen if we all went and did it? Greater work shall you do, therefore I go to the Father. I will send you the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you everything that I have said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. Therefore, go. Therefore, go. Joey said it this morning. I thought that was so profound. She said it this morning. She said, Jesus, let us give away what we have this morning. Freely you have received, freely give. And we're going to activate today. Because how long, how, you know, we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. How many agree with me on that? Yeah? So you can sit in your rusty, dusty seat for the rest of your Christian life, or you can get out and make a difference. It's up to you. But we're going to equip you, and then the choice is yours. Amen.
So I want to read through some stuff. You can, and I want you to write a few things on the blank side of your paper. All right, here we go. Ready? So they're saying that this is the decade of the mouth. In other words, there is a divine grace according to the Jewish calendar that God is releasing for us to open our mouths. And I don't mean just speaking, but I mean about defending the gospel, speaking the truth and being real Christians. That's, yeah, but there's a grace. And I believe there's a great boldness coming upon us. Okay? So A, I want you to write this down. A, listen to the Father for his assignments. Write it down. Listen to the Father for his assignments. Just don't go willy-nilly anywhere, but be open. Just write that one line down and then you can fill the blanks later. Be open. Last night, well, yesterday afternoon, uh, was it yesterday afternoon? Yeah, a tree fell down. Friday afternoon, a tree fell down at our river and nearly crushed a man in his combi, in his car, who's living in his car down our back, down the back of our house in the river. And so Phil went down and my brother-in-law went down to see if he was okay. He was okay because he said, by some chance, I don't know why, but I kept feeling to move my car. He moved his car three or four times and he, the original place where his car was, the tree was like that, he would have been killed. So Phil said to him, well... Have you got a grand, praying grandmother or something? Well, Phil came home after that. And, you know, he wrestled with it. He wrestled with it all, all night, next day. Yesterday afternoon, he says, have you got some food? I'm going to go down and talk to that guy down there. He took a white Jesus, some wheat bix, some other stuff. Down he went and speak to the guy. He, it was an assignment. He felt in his spirit, I can't leave this. This is an assignment. And so he went down and took up the... Look for the assignments, okay? See, Jesus said, I'm appointed to stay at your house today. There was an appointment with God. You might be sitting next to someone on the bus. And this is why we've got to learn to do this and practice how to do it fast and how to do it effectively and how to do it well. Right? So, appointment. B, find common ground. And I talked about that before. If it's a single mom, don't talk about the stock market. You know what I'm talking about. C, not too much detail. You don't need to go into detail about your story. You don't have to tell them all the gory details. They don't want to know the gory details. And as you say them, you're changing the atmosphere. So don't go into detail. You can just leave things to the imagination. So D, Leave things to the imagination. I say things like this. There are things that I went through as a child that they say I would never be healed of. Psychologists say I could never be healed of those things. Well, they, there's a lot of things to the imagination. I don't need to say anything else. Is that right? Keep it short. Don't go on about it forever. Remember, it's about them, not you. Keep it short. F. Don't use every facet of your story. And I was explaining that before. You know, there are many things about our stories. We've been alive a long time. Well, a lot of us have. But we've all been alive a long time. I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened to you in your life that you could tell someone about. But you've got to look at that person and go, 
Which part of my story is going to help them and bless them? Which part of my story? G, watch for reactions. If they're bored, be quiet. Change the story. Change it up. Ask a question. Like, please look at someone's reaction. If someone's looking and going, you know that you're probably not on the right track. You need to change it up. Look for reactions. If they're starting to cry, don't go on with the story. Stop there for a minute and ask some questions. Yeah? Look for reactions. H, telling counter stories. Keep them interested. You know, they're not going to be interested in like, and I had four brothers and three dogs and we lived in a brown house. You know, no. You know, I was in the house and I heard a sound and 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 I felt Jesus in the room. And, you know, like whatever it is, telling counter stories. Know how to be a bit dramatic about your story because that's the thing that people are used to Quick and fast, you know what? They've got an attention span like that. And you you watching a movie now, the scene will change. Is it every 10 seconds, is it? Eight seconds. The scene has to change or they lose interest. So if you're going on and on and on, you haven't changed your scene. Uh, No, eight seconds you've got. Eight seconds. And then you have to come up with something else to go, whoa, really? That's how we live. Introduce Jesus, I, introduce Jesus. Now listen, we need to introduce Jesus. And I was saying that before. Remember, they have have preconceived ideas about Jesus and Christianity. They have preconceived ideas. Introduce Jesus by saying things like, he is real. He is personal. He's interested in you. He knows you. He is not judging you. He's kind. He's good. Like, Introduce him, all right? Okay. So you can turn your page over now. And they're just simple points that you can take with you. Now, this is a simple four-point step on how to share your story, all right? So number one, who am I now? So you can quickly fill in some blanks there or you can do it at home. Who am I now? So I normally don't start off with who I used to be. I normally start off with who I am now. So for instance, I would say, do you know, I I just am so healed and so blessed in my life. You know, they say that as a a child that's been abused at the age I was abused could never be healed. But you know what? I hadn't met Jesus. And in the moment I met him, he showed me every day of my life. He showed me that he was there in every day of my, you know, you can just go bang, bang, bang like that. So who are you now? Two, what was life like before you met Jesus? So you don't, again, you don't have to go into detail. You know, before I met Jesus, I was lonely. I felt like you know, I felt like I was a nobody. You know, I felt like no one saw me. I felt like I was alone, you know, alone in a room. I, I didn't feel like I'd ever experienced real love. You know, things like that. Like, don't get all Christianese. Before I knew Jesus, I was a sinner and I needed salvation through redemption. And you are probably a sinner too, but you don't realize it. Like, lose that. Just lose it. Just get real and be real. Talk to them like you'd want to be talked to if you didn't know Jesus. 
Amen? They don't understand your theology. What was life like before? Three, how did I encounter Jesus? How did I encounter Jesus? And so you can quickly, you know, you need to have quick state. I'm, I'm doing this so you can go home and practice. How can I get down these points in about, you know, five minutes? Bang, 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 bang. And how can I get to this? How can I do this quickly? And how can I change it up? I practice for different scenarios. I actually practice. Okay, if I'm meeting a person like this, I think I'll swing that part of my testimony. I'll bring that in. I'll bring that in. I won't share that part about that because that'll freak them out. I'll share that part. Oh, I will share this part with that person because they need freaking out. Or this person has had some demonic activity, so I'll share the demonic part of what I saw and what I felt. And, the, and the, You know what I mean? So you don't go talking about you know, spiritual stuff to people who have anxiety. Oh, guess what? You know, I saw this demon and he walked right into my room and they're going, you know, they're gone. You can't get Jesus in there if you're putting, you know, you're triggering stuff. So just be, just be, you know, sensible. Did I say four? How has, how has knowing Jesus changed my life? How has knowing Jesus changed my life? Okay. So we've got five minutes. We're going to split up into couples into two people, you need to go to a person that you don't usually talk to and you're going to have five. Now, one person only out of the two is going to share their story. You can determine which one that is. But let me say this, and I want to say this. This is a really important statement before we do this and we're doing it fast, I know. You don't have to sensationalise your story. If you were raised in the church... And you're, you've never really done bad things or don't have a whoa testimony. That's probably a stronger testimony for someone than, than my testimony. Because they've never seen anything like that. You know, I had a, a lady yesterday that met my daughters for the first time and just went, your daughters. Like, now my testimony didn't get her. But she met my daughters and they rocked her socks. How are these so beautiful? Why are they so pure? What is so gorgeous about them that I never had that in my life? What is it about you as a mother that could raise that that I never had that in my life? I never had a mother like that. That's what got her, was their purity. So you've got you've to go where your story is. My story, you know, my story may be that I was, you know, in the church, raised in the church, but, but there had to be a point where you got to know Jesus yourself. There has to be an encounter moment. You don't just get raised in the church and you know, you're bred like that. You've got to have an encounter moment. So even if you've been in the church your whole life, there's got to be an encounter moment. It's just a taste. I just wanted to give you a taste of what it's like to share your story and know that it's not that hard. Who found it really difficult? Huh? No one? Who found it easy? Because you know what? The more that we do it, the better we're going to get at it. So Lord, we just pray right now. Let's just close our eyes right across the room. Lift your hands to the Lord. And I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Everyone together, Lord Jesus, break my heart for what breaks yours. Give me a heart for souls. Let me see them. Open my mouth. 
and let me speak. Give me boldness. Give me courage. But more than anything else, give me love. Lord, let us remember what you have done for us when we sit in in, in front of anyone we're speaking to. Remind us of your love, Jesus. Come on, let's sing this song. Baptize us in love this morning. Baptize us in love this morning. Come on. Love me as you We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.